Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Ship Talking. This is Robbie and I'm joined by the wonderful and fabulous Brandon. <laughs> How are you doing, Brandon? I am doing good. I hope you had a great break. I hope everyone had a great two weeks. We certainly missed you all, but we're back and we're ready for action. Robbie, what did you get up to? Well, I actually finished my thesis Woo! and yes, I'm done. I'm almost done. Awesome. Uh, I Yes, I know. I'm so excited. And of course, the first thing I thought when I submitted my thesis was more time for Star Trek <laughs> and Star Wars. But we'll, we'll say Star Trek mostly. Ah, Star Wars is great too. I've been enjoying The Mandalorian. I know, I know. It's so good. That episode was wonderful. And then can we just say that last week's episode of Discovery, no spoilers this time, <laughs> but was just amazing. And I just keep getting blown away for the content that they put out. What do you think? I absolutely agree. I've really been enjoying it. It's definitely their strongest season yet. Well... On this week's episode of Ship Talking, we're going to be joined by two of Trek's hottest names at the moment, showrunner and creator of Star Trek Lower Decks, Mike McMahon, and designer of a ship that finally got her on-screen debut in the Lower Decks finale after a 15-year wait. That's right, creator of the USS Titan, Sean Taranjo, is going to be joining us as well. A lot of you might not know this, but this will be the first time that these two gents are meeting each other. So it's bound to be full of fun, especially since we'll be seeing more of the Titan and her crew in the next season. Darn you, Boimler. <laughs> also, as a quick heads up, there is a tiny bit of adult language during the chat. Just a few Enterprise F-bombs, so please be forewarned. <laughs> we'll be meeting the gents in the Lower Decks crew bar soon for some Romulan ale and a chat that's around 15 minutes. And we'll also be putting up the full 45-minute chat up onto Patreon. Before we do, we're going to review your submissions for last week's Community queue and announce the new one. And then after the chat with the gents, we'll report back on the training plans you've all been sending in for this week's All Hands on Deck Drill, as well as announcing our special guest for the next episode. This is going to be a blast. I am so excited for this episode. Well, I'm really excited, and I definitely saw Mariner looking quite suspicious <laughs> going up and down the uh, hallways with some contraband in her hand. I am also quite excited to have a little bit of some Romulan ale, and let's go ahead and get things moving. So let's dive into this week's Community Q segment. For this week's Community Q, we asked you all to share which bridge station you thought was the least impactful for ship ops, aka who would you jettison out the airlock if you had the choice? Okay, so as we said last week, we definitely wanted to have a lot of fun with this segment. Yeah. And thank you, all of you, for your great suggestions and ideas, because Brandon and I definitely had a lot of fun reading through this. <laughs> um, so without further ado, let me go ahead and jump into your most submitted least impactful section of the bridge and that actually was engineering yeah i can kind of see why engineering should be down in main engineering right not up on the bridge that said i probably have a good idea of why engineering was up on the bridge and that's so the actor who played the chief engineer who's probably part of the main cast depending on the season we're looking at could be on the bridge during those tense moments you know i'm gonna have to disagree with the community and with you on this one actually um Please, nobody send their phasers after me. <laughs> Don't set phasers for a kill. Um, you know, I actually think that the engineering station is probably vital to being on the bridge. I mean, we're talking whole integrity. 
we're talking the warp core matrix we're you know understanding the integrity of the ship uh, breaches potential. I think the engineering probably is one of the most crucial, especially to relay that information to the captain. All right. Well, everyone, you've heard both Robbie and my thoughts. Give us an email or let us know over Twitter what you guys think if you agree with one of us. All right. So there's a couple that we definitely feel an honorable mention is worthy. The first is the counselor station. The second is the comm station. Now, I will say this. I think the counselor station, while extremely important, definitely to be on the ship, I don't think that that necessarily is something to be on the bridge. The Next Generation did a really good job of having Deanna Troy add value to her role. However, overall, I don't really think for all starships across the entire fleet, it would be worth it. So I could agree that that position should get jettisoned out the nearest airlock. What about you, Brandon? I'm just going to say plus one to what you just said. I have to say, though, the cat suit is probably the one saving grace for the <laughs> counselor station. Okay, before we go on to the next community queue, I feel like we have to mention this week's most funny, unique, original slash troll submission, which was somebody said that we should jettison the gas station. So, <laughs> ha ha ha. I actually got a, got a good chuckle from that one. It was pretty funny. And we can triangulate where this came from because it wasn't petrol station, so it wasn't Brandon, it wasn't George. <laughs> I, I have to say, we know it's somebody in the States, so we're, we're keeping an eye on you. Yes, we are. So for the next Community queue, we want to know what your favorite part of a ship is. What really tickles your fancy? Maybe it's an ample warp nacelle, or maybe the confines of a Jeffrey's tube, or maybe it's even cetacean ops. Let us know. Could be from a show, movie, book, or even your own canon. We don't mind. You like it, you share it with us. As always, we want to know your thoughts on this. Send them via email, website form submission, or even Twitter. All right, you all can't see it, but Robbie's been kicking me under the table as he's trying to get me to move along so we can get to that Romulan ale. So we're going to go meet Mike and Sean right now. Brandon, you finally got the point. Let's go head over. Not only does the Titan show up, but it shows up in the fucking coolest way possible. I don't know if I can swear on this podcast. Do, do. <laughs> and then on top of that, you've got the characters on screen losing their bananas that the Titan is there too. So it was a joy to have it appear as a big ship cameo. Well, and also the fact of seeing it on screen and of course me being the ship designer going, okay, what did they change? What is like, a, oh, that's different. I like the, what they did with the phasers. Uh, and I was always afraid that since it wasn't 100% canon that if and when it showed up on screen it would be a totally different design as i say it's about 99.5 percent of my design and it's got that little 0.5 percent is the stuff to make it fit into the lower decks universe with the lighting the tune shading and some of the things that were changed i think were cool like the inset phasers mm -hmm. yeah i'm glad you like that because i think we put them in a spot where you had stuff that was like sensors i think right there was like a sort of sensor array you actually have torpedoes launching out of the Sensor That's pop. what it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and you have it sort of doing a Knight Rider uh, kit sensor <laughs> yeah. up on top. Yeah. What you guys did differently that Simon Schuster changed, originally they didn't want to have active torpedoes coming out of the sensor pod. They only wanted uh, probe launches. Oh. I originally designed where it could be either way. So I'm fine with oh, it. Oh, okay. So we brought it back home, kind of. Yeah, the Titan was supposed to be a test bed of new technology. 
So And it's funny too because for a ship that's covered in new technology Saving the Cerritos, which is covered in old technology, mm-hmm. yep. being attacked by the Packleds, which is covered in other people's technology. All, in all technology. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, at first, I did not like the Cerritos, just because of just the, the look of it. But as the series went on, it grew on you. So I consider the Cerritos sort of the Oberth of oh, Next Generation. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're not wrong. We get a lot of Oberth. And originally, I can tell you, because you're a ship designer, so you'll appreciate this that one of the things that Kurtzman and Secret Hideout did was when we were designing the Cerritos, I was like, what am I allowed to do? Mm. Like, am I allowed to work in TNG? And they were like, dude, do whatever you think is your dream Star Trek show. But their only their only edict was just don't give people stuff they've already seen. You know, like they have an emotional attachment with the Galaxy class ship. And this is your opportunity because you're doing second contact and because you're doing this this California class, let's design your ship, you know? And they made sure to steer me away from stuff that we've seen a lot. And I, I think actually the Titan does a good job of that too, that it doesn't look like any other ship, but it also looks like it fits into the fleet. And the Titan looks cool, you know? And my... <laughs> My goal for the Cerritos was not for it to look cool. It was for it to look lovable. And I think that a lot of the times the things you love the most in life aren't because they're the coolest looking thing. It's the thing that is quirky, but it's yours. So originally, I mean, my favorite ship is the Reliant. So it, it was a variation of the choices in the Reliant that, you know, all the things that people were getting twisted up about, about like warp bubbles sent- and where's the deflector dish and and how can you get through the struts and all that. It's like, well, I've got answers for all that. It's not yeah. it's not stuff you want to hear because it's it's not the best ship in the fleet. But that feeling that a lot of people had of like, oh, I don't know if I like the look of this ship. And then by the end of the season, they're like, I kind of like this little ship. Like that's that's exactly what we were going for. Yeah, you're, you're kind of like it's a scamp. You're like, oh, a cute little scamp. It's just, you know, a little rascal ship. Yeah, it's like a trike. You know? Well, for me, I don't consider it a ship of the line. I see it as a support ship. And mm-hmm. I, uh, after I got that in my brain and the, the episode where it's being more of a tug, yeah. that's where it made me like the ship. Yeah. You mentioning that you like uh, one of your favorite ships is the Reliant. In the designing of the Titan, the Reliant took heavy, heavy influence mm. uh, for me. Hence the roll bar, yep. the sensor pod. Oh, yeah. Look at that from the front, the low slunk uh, nacelles. Yeah. So that's where you get that reliant feel. You look at the uh, Titan from the top, you get the Enterprise refit. Yep. And then I, being an Air Force brat, the mm-hmm. reason why I put the pod mm-hmm. separate from it mm-hmm. is I th- was thinking of the AWACS. So you get a yeah, clear sensor. That's pod. really interesting. And the fact that it got mothballed because of the Borg. So when they pulled it out, yeah, I decided to throw the Sovereign stuff on it. That's why I think it fits into the fleet so well because I integrated so many different things. Hmm. It's so funny, the Sovereign stuff, I can see it in my mind without the Sovereign stuff on it, and it looks just as cool. And there's something to me about the Sovereign stuff that looks like, when you think back on your, for me, I'm a baseball guy, and when you look back on your favorite uniform, it's always the one you grew up with. And then all the new ones feel new. That's what Sovereign class feels like to me. It feels like somebody else's uniform. You know what I mean? It's like the more modern version of it. And we even have a line in Lower Decks of like, Dad, don't make it look all sovereign. Right, 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 right. She goes, I want it to look like what it was. Don't make it all sovereign. <laughs> I remember that. It sounds like we both took the Reliant and then it's like uh, a Galapagos Finch. We're like, for yours, it got sleeker and cooler and kind of more explory and more new stuff. Yeah. And for me, it got like actual dumber looking. <laughs> like the struts extended like because of stuff like tug and, and engineering stuff. 
you know, I kept thinking about like when you look at big machines, like when you have the workhorse machines, they don't necessarily look like the sleekest machines because they're getting us, but they're made for a specific job, right? Yeah. There's stuff you guys haven't been able to see yet that hasn't been in the show yet that the Cerritos can do. But one of the, the perks of getting your own Star Trek show, which I have to hold on to the other two genie wishes because this one's working out so well, but uh. is, is now I'm working with Mike Akuda and oh, yeah. on, on schematics and on these meetings we have, on these Zooms we have, he's walking me through being like, you know, what I like about this design is we could do this, this, and this. And I'm like, oh, I wanted to do something like that and I don't want to get too detailed because we're going to do it in, in future seasons if, if we can get them, but there's stuff that the Cerritos can do that makes the design even more functional. All right. And I think that people's complaint about like, oh, is this ship not functional? It's like, yeah, the Cerritos is supremely functional. Yeah. Is Does it care how hard it is to get around if you work on it? No. It's just like how, you know, a dump truck might not care that it doesn't have the best Bose surround sound in it. Right. And I saw all these people like, being like, God, that's the ship. These guys don't know Star Trek. And I was just like, ooh, you guys are so wrong. You just wait for this season to come out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Mike, one thing we were always wondering is, you know, we know with the Cerritos, the California class that made it to the show, but was there something else that was kind of a close contender and didn't quite make it? Oh, well, I'm not sure if there was a close contender. There was, there was a really fun time where Eric Nyquist, who's an artist that I've worked with, was working with me on ship sketches. Mm -hmm. And I was like, the number one thing is, in a show where the ship is mostly gonna be on a star field, the silhouette is hugely important, right? And I was like, Star Trek and Starfleet itself, the design lexicon, like the actual pieces you get to use, it's hard to make a ship not look cool. Mm. And so how do you make a ship that immediately doesn't look cool so that you know when it's next to the Vancouver or next to the Titan or next to whatever that it's not the cool ship, hypothetically? Mm. Right. You know? mm -hmm. So we went through like maybe 150 silhouettes where we oh, were wow. just, we were like, let's kit bash. Let's start off and let's draw. Because remember, this was like the first animated Star Trek in a long time. Yeah. So I was very aware of like the choices you make on this show it's all about balance, right? Like you yeah. need it to be comedy, you need it mm -hmm. to be animated, but you really want to feel like Star Trek. And it feels really TNG, but we've made so many changes and everything is hand-drawn. And like, you know, the balance meant using all these different different elements of other ship and combining them and seeing how you can change them with stuff like, you know, the color on the hull. Yep. I was like, this is a huge helpful thing to us because all the ships have a little bit of color on the hull, but none of the ships have a lot. So one of the things I knew at the very beginning is my sister, who Beckett Mariner is named after, once ah. told me that funny guys wear yellow. <laughs> and <laughs> it's always stuck with me for some reason that I'm like, yellow is the funny color. So I was like, if our ship is an engineering ship, for a while, the nacelles themselves were completely yellow. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that if you saw it from a distance, you were like, that's an engineering ship from a distance. It'd be like a worker and, bee look. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like the old worker bees. Yeah. But like, it just, it didn't seem Starfleet anymore when the nacelles were totally yellow. Yeah. And for a while we were doing stuff like, what if the front half of the ship was Starfleet, but they were using new experimental Vulcan circular oh, engine yeah, okay. cells. Mm -hmm. oh. oh, that would have been interesting. And that was a terrible looking ship. <laughs> For people out there who think the Cerritos looked bad, I highly recommend in the future drawing up a design that has 
a mixture of different cultures in the cells because we were like nobody must ever see this <laughs> i uh i knew you were going to say you were a fan of the reliant and sean especially designing the luna because both of those ships have their nacelles under the main engineering hull. yeah uh same with the cerritos and same with every ship that we saw in lower decks was nacelles that were below mm-hmm. engineering hall i'm glad i'm a fan of that but i know there are some fans out there who are like we didn't see any nacelles that were above the engineering hall that's interesting One thing, i mean you, well, i was just gonna quit really quick sean yeah. just to throw that in there is that the reliant was upside down yeah is that what you were gonna say yeah and also the fact that um your ship the cerritos actually didn't break uh, rodberry's rules of where the nacelles can't be have the secondary hole between them Right, yeah, a lot of people do. Like, the Defiant has it. Yeah, um, when I designed the Titan, the first email I got was from Andrew Probert, who worked mm-hmm. on TNG. And he goes, you broke so many rules that Roddenberry would be spinning in his grave. Oh, my God. If Roddenberry spun in his grave, as much as people claimed Roddenberry spun in his grave, we could power the entire <laughs> North America like, just by putting magnets around his grave. The burn would be over. And, you know, one of the things that I always loved about, especially... Um, you know, Sean, I was reading the, I grew up reading the Titan books when I was younger. And yeah. I feel like kind of this ties into what Mike is talking about because, like, that series, right, gave us this conceptualization of a Star Trek crew that would be unlike no other. It was extremely diverse. It yep. ha- not only diverse, but it also kind of kept to its true Star Trek roots of having different, you know, people, different environments on the ship. And what I loved about the book Less was Less than it did one that. third is uh, human. Yeah. Exactly. Most, Riker on purposely picked a crew that uh, was so diverse that when he's out there, it would be easier for other cultures to speak to the mm-hmm. Federation because you saw how it wasn't just a human right. controlled crew. Right. So, and that's why I like the books. And I feel like somebody growing up Deep Space Nine and Voyager and reruns of Next Gen, I always thought, okay, so everybody on the ship has the same, you know, the environment's the same, you know, pretty much everything the same. And then the Titan comes along, right? And you have aquatic quarters, you have yep. a, you have different type of gravity. So I'd love to know when you were designing the Titan and, and now that you see the Titan, yeah. compared to how the book did it and now what we see, and, and, and you know, we're still waiting to see more of it, of course. But like, how do you see the difference between the book design and what actually is coming Showed up on screen. Yeah. Well, the first thing I noticed is they have a different first officer. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. On that shift. Back, actually, one of my favorite characters on Discovery right now is the Linus character. I love Linus. Which is the same species as you had as the first officer on shift on the Titan when it showed up. Right. So I was fine with that. Um, designing, especially with the aquatic stuff, you'll notice that the bottom half of Sasha's section is more flat than you would see than most uh, Starfleet's. Mm-hmm. So that would take into account that you'd have uh, quarters that didn't ha- necessarily have normal Earth-type gravity. Right. So you can have uh, windows on the ceiling, or they would be windows on the floor, or it depends on who, what crew member is in there, dictates what's inside that uh, inside those windows. Well, Mike, Sean, we want to thank you for joining us here in the Lower Decks here in our little crew bar. We know you both need to get back to your ready rooms as you have a lot of command work piling up. Actually, we have it on good word from Robert Duncan McNeil and our chat last week that maybe Admiral Paris, Mike, might be sending you a dossier for a mission to go rescue his lizard babies. But we'll save that for another time. Before we let you go up the turbo lifts, we've got five rapid fire questions for both of you. Okay. We'll read the question out and we'd love to know the first answer that comes to mind. Sounds good? Yeah. Good. All right. Mike, you're up first. Favorite ship? Oh, the Cerritos. Come on, get out of here. Favorite series? Uh, I can't just say lower deck. Uh, I'm gonna. You know what? It's got to be TNG. Favorite captain? Ooh, 
Yeah, I'm a Picard guy. I'm a Picard guy. And if you were going into a Starfleet career and you had to pick between command, science, or engineering, which would you be? Oh, man. Uh, I'm trying to think of where where could I harm the fewest people before they kicked me out of Starfleet. (laughs) I guess science? Yeah, let's go with science. I feel like I could be a good guy who's like, you're on the planet. I'm studying a plant. The plant ejects some sort of spore in my face. I'm the first one to get weird. That would be my game. <laughs> and if you were on the Cerritos when Peanut Hamper decided to peace out, would Oof. you have let her or would you have dismantled her for spare parts? I mean, Peanut Hamper, get, get out of here, Peanut Hamper. <laughs> I mean, listen, you can't dismantle her because Data already went through that trial. Like, let's, you know, there's some there's some rights issues happening here, but... Man, fuck Peanut Hamper. <laughs> what are you doing, Peanut Hamper? Get the fuck out of here. All right, that's already trending. Hashtag fuck Peanut Hamper. <laughs> Good. Already on Twitter, IMDb. I You're love a Starfleet it. officer, Peanut Hamper. Get the fuck back in here and save the day. I love it. Okay, Sean, your turn. Yes. What is your favorite ship? It's a tie. Reliant and Voyager. What's your favorite series? Uh, Voyager. Favorite captain? Actually, Cisco. If you could choose command, science, or engineering? Probably, since I'm doing ship design, it'd probably be engineering. Now, would you let Peanut Hamper go after she peaced out? Oh, well, if Peanut Hamper was seen by uh, Titan sensors, I would say phase her. <laughs> Shoot her, disintegrate her, and call it good, and then hit warp. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take it. We will it. take it. Well, I see Mariner dragging a case of 2309 blood wine over to the Romulan ambassador. So, Mike and Sean, we better let you go handle that before she gets into too much trouble. (laughs) Yeah, she can't do that again. Yeah, you know, her and the Romulan ambassador. But Brandon and I are going to go ahead and move into this week's All Hands on Deck segment. For this week's drill, we booked each of you into the holodeck for an hour. You're able to load up the bridge of a ship of your choice and have your way with the galaxy. After your spree, we asked you to report back on what you did, where you went, or maybe even what you destroyed. This is a really fun drill because everything was on the table. All alien race ships, all Starfleet Federation, non-aligned. And it seems like a lot of you wanted to take the discovery around because of the spore drive. And I have to agree. I think that that would be something that would be really fun to take out for a couple hours and see what you can do with it, especially with the instantaneous travel. Yeah. The Sovereign class was the second most requested ship program. I could definitely see that. It's such an elegant, powerful, large ship. A lot of things to see and do. You won't get bored. Yeah, especially since you can put it into joystick mode. Oh, yes, very much so. Yeah. And last but not least, or as I might say, saving the best for last. (laughs) Of course you would. The Defiant was our third most highly suggested program. And I agree with everybody in the community who submitted this that the joy and the fun of taking a cloaked Federation ship anywhere, doing who knows what, I think it'd be a lot of fun. It'd also be kind of sneaky and definitely a different thing to do for Federation ship. So great suggestions. What do you think, Brennan? Everyone who submitted that one and you, Robbie, going to stay on my radar. Very sneaky. I'm going to have to watch myself around you guys. Uh, Other ships that were mentioned that you'd load up in the holodeck was the Bajoran light ship. I think that's pretty cool. Letting those sails determine maybe the direction of your explorations. The Galaxy class, Intrepid, Excelsior, Constitution class, and the Vesta. Of all those ships that you mentioned, there has always been one of those ships that I've had a huge fascination to actually take out and to fly around, and it's the Bajoran light ship. Mm. From a design perspective, that ship was absolutely beautiful. Absolutely. From a scientific conceptualization of what it meant for Bajor, 
you know, for them, their early first space flight and getting around the galaxy to me was just inspirational and also what it meant for them. And I think that that definitely would be a lot of fun to power up. I also love all the submissions that came in for the Galaxy class, specifically because I'd load up that bridge, but not just the bridge. I'd load up the battle bridge and have already the saucer separated and just take out the star drive section for a joyride. Am I the only one who has always seen the star drive and thought it looked like a turkey? (laughs) You know, that's ready to get cooked. I don't know. Something about the shape of it. Are you sure you just don't have Thanksgiving still on your mind from last week? (sighs) You know what? That could be true. But I think it's like this giant flying uncooked turkey going through space. So right. Okay. I'd love to see you driving that. Way, so. Well, if you want to participate in the weekly drills, we announce them on our Twitter towards the end of the week. So do keep an eye out. Well, if you can believe it or not, that's it for this week. But before our parting words, a.k.a. our plugs, we want to announce next week's guest. Yes, we love our Latinum around here. (laughs) On next week's show, we're going to be welcoming legendary ship designer and modeler, Mark Rodemaker. He's most known for creating the Vesta class for the Star Trek Destiny novels. He is. The USS Aventine was the specific ship in the class range he designed, and it was captained by Esri Dax. We're also going to be joined by special guest host James Lee, who is probably the biggest Vesta fan on the planet. He and I actually go back almost a decade, back to my original Trek podcasting days. As a huge fan of Dax, the Aventine, and anything Vesta class related, I'm really looking forward to ship talking with both of them. We're going to have a lot of fun. We are. Don't forget, hailing frequencies are always open. Head to www.shiptalkingpod.com to transmit a message. And while you're there, check out our awesome merch. I have to say, our shirts are awesome. If you want to take a stroll on the promenade and go get some gach, they work and they're very durable. <laughs> also, make sure to click on the link to our Patreon at the top of the page and view the special benefits we're providing to patrons, including expanded chats with all of our guests. You can also send us an email to hello at shiptalkingpod.com. We want all of your feedback and comments, of course, in addition to entries for the community queue. And we're on Twitter at ShipTalkingPod. We love engaging with all the community there, and it's the way that you can participate in the all-hands-on-deck drills. And the best way to support us is to tell your Trekkie and Trekker friends about the show. They can find us on any and all of the podcast platforms, or just send them to our website, and they can get direct links from there. And last but not least, a very special thanks to our newest crewmate of the pod, our audio engineer, George Davies, who is now doing all the audio magic behind the scenes. We couldn't get this episode out without him. Yep. Thank you so much, George. Well, until next time, everyone, stay safe, have fun, and don't choke on your gach. <laughs> and make it slippy. Have a nice week, everyone. Bye. Bye.